Being in Manhattan, this is kind of the way our year goes. If you're not from here, if you haven't been here very long, we really operate off of the semester calendar year. So every fall about this time, it's like a new new year right? School starting again. Our kids are back in school. College is back up again. It's a time of the year where if you have um, missed some of your New Year's resolutions for the year, you get another chance and to say, all right, from here to the end of the year, I get to do this again. So it's your opportunity to say, I'm going to reorganize my life. I'm going to um, think priorities again, and I'm going to set some new things up. So this is your opportunity to try something like this. And so here we have it. We have something here. I'm going to say like this is your life. All right. Now life, I, I don't know how many years God gives you, but he does give you a life. So it doesn't matter the size or how long, but he does give you a life. And he says, here's your life. You then have some options. There are some things God wants you to do, of course, but there are some other things that, that happen in life that you get to fill your life up with. Now, some of those things I know just happened to us. So we're going to take this and we're going to pretend like this is a stuff of life that just happens. We really don't have a choice in this kind of stuff. This is the stuff that just happens in life. You have meals you have to cook, right, for your family. You have yard work to do. You have homework to do if you're a student. Life just kind of fills up like this laundry. The washing machine breaks. You get water in your basement. Right, You've been there. A flat tire. This is the kind of stuff that after a while, man, This is about the type of stuff that just, we don't have a choice in. It just comes along, and this is what fills our life about this much. Now, here's the hard part. Um, Too often, this is what we base our life goals off of, the happenstance. And this is what we allow to drive our life. Heard about an airline pilot that came across the radio from the cockpit to everybody else in the plane, and he said, folks, I got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is we're lost. The good news is we're making great time. So so what is it for you? Do you think that sometimes you're making great time in life, but you really don't know where you're going? You're letting these things, the things that just happen in life, drive your life. And that's your foundation. That's your base. That's what you do. There's other things, though, that we do get to choose. And it's a lot of little stuff. A lot of little stuff throughout the day that you get to choose. You say, yeah, I want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to do that. Like there's a new show on Netflix that I want to binge watch. So, you know, I do that kind of stuff. My kids love sports. So we sign them up for all of them, volleyball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and there's tournaments to go to. So we go to all of those, as many as we can squeeze in, we do it. There's another weekend, right? That's there. The lake is calling our name. We got to get out to the lake. The doctor says I need to lose some weight. So I guess I'll choose to exercise a couple times a week. The in-laws are coming. Okay. Maybe you don't choose the in-laws coming, but it happens, right? And so we have some things now that we have chosen in our life. And it looks like we have some room still. Looks like we've got plenty of room to do all the other stuff that we want to do. Looks pretty good. Plenty of room to make sure everything else happens. And so we have these things that we would call bigger priorities. Not these little rocks, but these are the big rocks of life, the priorities. So we say family, right? Family's important. So I'm going to put my family in there. My, 
my friends, my relationships. This is important. So we're gonna we're gonna squeeze this in. I have to go to work, right? It's the Bible even talks about it. We should we should work. So we we put that in there and we say, okay, work's important. I've got to do that. There, there's some other things in hobbies. Man, if it wasn't for some hobbies every now and then, uh, and I think this is biblical, recreation, recreation of yourself, it's good to find something to release from everything else. So some hobbies are good. So we place those in there. We say, this is our, I don't know about you, but I think about my finances quite a bit. It like occupies my mind and, and different, that's what we work towards. Finances are important. So we got to have those in our life. So we try and squeeze those in and then we get, to this one, and of course you're at church, so we're going to talk about God, right? <laughs> Hold on. Maybe we can get God to balance up there somehow, but he doesn't really fit. So we try all kinds of different things. We say, okay, maybe for a little bit I can take some of these out, and if I take my hobbies away and um, some of my finances, maybe I can try and get God in there, but it still doesn't fit. And then I still, so then I operate and I try and get work and family to fit together. Sometimes it's better to be at work even, right? You're like, it's quieter there. Um, and so you're like, I'll put that as a priority over the others. But no matter how we try to do this, we, it's still a balancing act. And it just doesn't fit. And life can feel full. But at the same time, it, it's just, it's not empty. It's overloaded. And you get to a point where you're like, I'm just glad I made it through the day. I'm just glad another week of my life is over. Whew, we made it. We made it through the summer. Yay. Now we can kick into some, another busy schedule in the fall. But yet we're trying to balance all the important stuff way up here. And here's the line. This is an important one. Until you really take the time to sit down and identify what's most important, everything seems important. And so we try to do it all. And oftentimes we let the things that are down here really drive where we're going and what we're doing. So here's your chance to start over. Here's your chance to say, what am I going to do? How are we going to make this work? Now, here's what I want you to understand and know on this. You don't have to, you don't have to throw all of this out. In fact, you really don't have to throw much of it out at all. It's not about what you throw out. It's it's about what you put in first and what you prioritize in life. Now, here's where, to me, the illustration gets a little weird. Um, it's not perfect because I'm going to say that this is the God rock, but if you really break it apart, he's one of the many rocks. He's not one of the many rocks. He is the rock. He is the one that we need to set as a priority and be first. And it's not just first Amongst all the other things, it's first in everything. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added as well. And here's what I've learned as well. I've learned this about God. I've learned that there are some things that God cannot do. 
Have you, have you ever thought about it like this? You're thinking, God, did my pastor just say there's things God can't do? Yeah, there are some things God cannot do. God cannot lie. He is truth. So there's the thing. God cannot lie about anything. God cannot sin. Sin and God cannot operate together. If there's sin, it's not God. If there's God, there's no sin. God cannot sin. God cannot hate people. We've seen this in our society in the last couple weeks. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God loves you. He may not like some of the things we've done, but he loves you. He cannot hate each other, and therefore we need to love each other as well. God cannot break a promise. If he's made a promise to us, he's going to keep it. And here's one other thing I've learned. God cannot be second. It's one of the great commandments, one of the first ten, right? Honor him, put him first. He has to be the first one in our lives with us. We have to place him in there first. And then we can take some of these others. My relationships, right, with others. My family, I can take other things like my hobbies. Man, I can have some hobbies and it's a good thing for me to be able to do. Um, My finances are important. I've got to think about those. Work, yes. Go to work. Get a job, earn some of that. We put those in there. And if we put these things in first and talk about this with God and the priorities correctly, then you know what? Life's going to happen. There's going to be things that happen. You're going to have to cook some meals. It's going to happen that way. Your yard needs mowed. There's homework to do. Our kids, our kids need taken care of. The washing machine quits. We get water in our basement. Life happens. We get a flat tire, but there's not just life that happens. There's other things that we choose. Yeah, I do like that show on Netflix. I want to watch it. Football season's coming. Absolutely, I'm going to watch some of that. Our kids love sports. We want them to play and compete. So yeah, sign them up for those things, the soccer tournaments. Sign them up for some of that stuff. That's the good stuff for them to learn and be a part of. And you're thinking, wow, we're... we're getting close aren't we with this oh man we can do it though as long as we put God first there's room Matthew 6 33 works put God first and watch what else he can do with your life and how he can bless you through that. Now today we're starting this new series called First Things First. And to me, one of the most important things that's a part of this that we can learn lessons from that I think God tries to teach us. And I know you're going you're gonna to question this as a pastor. You're going to say, I knew he was going here. You've already seen it with your handout and your bulletin today. It's our finances. It's our stuff. It's our resources that we have. I believe that it's God's chief competition with us. When we start to look at other areas of our lives, when it comes to our finances, oftentimes we push God to the side. But God says, no, that's the opposite of what you need to do. The reason is this, is because we will look often, we will often look at our finances, at our resources as security for us. If I have enough money, if I have enough resources, then I I can do it then I can make it, then I can make ends meet, then I can make it happen for my family, then my family is secure, then I am secure in this. And I mark my identity, I mark my worth, my self-worth with my net worth. And God said it shouldn't be that way. 
In Matthew chapter six, as Jesus, again, he's telling this story, Matthew chapter six, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he closes it this way. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you're putting your resources and your money ahead of God, he says that's backwards and that's wrong and you can't do that. In fact, Jesus, over and over and over again, he uses resources, our money. It's the most common application to truth. When he wants to teach us a truth in scripture, oftentimes he'll use money as a way to teach us that truth. You know why? Because we listen when it comes to money. When somebody starts talking about that, what's he saying? I want to learn. Can I learn anything from this? I want to grow. So Jesus uses it to teach us lessons. Money is actually the, the second most common theme throughout scripture. Next to salvation, which is important for our eternity, money is the most second common theme. It's, it's what's important to us while we're here on earth. And Jesus is, uses it over and over and over. In fact, he talks about money more than he talks about prayer. Five times more than he talks about prayer, he talks about money. Heaven and hell combined, he talks more about money than he does heaven and hell. One out of every six verses in the Gospels is on our stuff. It's about our stuff, our resources. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus teaches is about resources, our money, our stuff. And if you don't know what God wants you to know about your money, how can you do what he wants you to do with your money? And I believe this is where the devil comes in. He really wants you to believe that the church, your pastor, has no place teaching you about resources. All he wants is our money, right? That's all they're after. No, that's not true. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. I believe we should be digging into it. In fact, I think we should probably be digging into it more than we do. Maybe we should talk about it even more because this is what I know. Again, Matthew, in his book, he writes about this as Jesus. Again, uh, Matthew chapter 6 is starting in verse 19. We're going to hit a couple of them here in Matthew 6. He says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth won't destroy, where rust won't take it away. Plan for your eternity with the stuff that you have. Lay up for yourselves treasures there. And here's why I understand this. It's because your money talks. Your money tells a story about you. Your money, if you watch what your money does, you can read somebody's priorities by where they spend their resources, by where they spend their money. You can say that's a priority to them. They really care about that because they're putting their money behind it. Your money really does talk. It tells a story about us. And I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're about the same age as I am. Maybe you grew up reading this. I learned a lot of my life lessons by reading a comic strip. Calvin and Hobbes. Did anybody get some good ideas from Calvin when you were younger? I, got, I learned a lot from Calvin and Hobbes when I was younger. I know it's not um, in print anymore, but I love this little comic strip. And here's, here's a lesson we can learn. Here's Calvin and his pet tiger jumping across the river. And he says, Hobbes, do you think our morality is defined uh, more by our actions or by our hearts? It's a good question from a little boy, isn't it? His pet tiger responds and says, I think our actions show what's in our hearts. And if you're like Calvin, you do this, right? Huh. It's a good thought. And then he thinks about his actions. And he says, I resent that. I don't know about you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking that same line towards me right now. 
towards scripture right now. I resent that. How can you say, you know, where I should spend my money, what I should do? How can you say that where I spend it matters? It's Jesus that's saying it. Matthew 6, verse 21. Let's finish this little scripture up. He says, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Your money talks. Your money tells a story about your heart and what matters most to you. And here's what I understand about God. He doesn't need your money. He's got enough of his own, all right? He's pretty good at this thing. He's got enough resources. He doesn't need your money, but what he wants is you. And he wants your heart. And he knows that your heart is going to follow your stuff and your resources. And so it's our way to come back to him and worship him. It's an act of worship for us to say, God, I trust you with my resources. God, I trust you with my stuff. And so we worship God by what we do with our stuff, by how we spend our resources, our money. And we can worship God all week long by how we use, by how we steward the stuff that he has given us. Here's, here's a story. I would love for you to turn here. If you have your Bibles, Mark, if you have your phones, um, go here and look at this one. There's something in this passage. Mark chapter 12 is where I'm going to read just a little story out of. Mark 12. This is a story that Jesus is, is telling. Mark's telling the story, but it's about Jesus and what happened. And it's during a, a time of giving at a church. This was during the offering time at a church. And Jesus is setting back. And this is a story that Mark tells about this. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, and he says, And he, this is Jesus, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Okay, hold on just a minute. Really? What would you think if I walked around while we were doing the offering and watched what everyone put in? Would, would it change what you did? If I, what if it wasn't me? What if it was Jesus? You would think it was weird if I did it right, but what if Jesus stood back and watched all of us give? Well, he did on this time. He watched people put money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which made one penny. Two different coins, which made one penny. And she didn't keep one of them, a half a cent. She put them both in. And he called his disciples and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And they're thinking, no, no, she only put in a penny. Those other people put in way more than that. But he says, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty and she has put everything she had, all she had to live on. They gave off of what was left over. She gave off of what she had, period. To me in this, God's view of how we give is, is not a dollar amount. And it's not how much you give. To me, it's how much you keep. How much do you think you need? How much do you reserve back for your own security to make sure you're gonna make it and everything's gonna be fine? Or how much do you trust in him? And follow what he teaches. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, an Old Testament teaching, and this is out of the Living Bible. I kind of like the way they translate this. Out of the Living Bible, Deuteronomy 14, it says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. The purpose of tithing is not so that we have 
money to pay bills at the church. That's not the goal behind it. That's not why we talk about it. It's to teach you this. It's to teach you what to put first in your life and to trust God with that. And to be reminded that God doesn't need your money. He wants you. He wants your heart. But he knows that your heart follows your resources. So if your heart follows your resources, he says, and put your resources here so that your heart follows that. And do it first, like the the widow, the teaching of that, not off of what's left over, but what comes first. What's most important to you is what's first. And it's that principle. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with, with wine. Give off of what is first in your life. Trust God with that. In, in the Old Testament, the teaching of that, the tithe, it is a 10, 10%. So as we, as we narrow that down and think about it that way, I would rather, I would rather live off of 90% with God's blessing than 100% without God's blessing. If it was my choice and if I was doing this, and this is what April and I have made a commitment to years ago, yeah, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give him that 10% first. And I'm going to trust that he's going to bless the other 90. And I'm, I'm so much better when God blesses 90% than when I try and do 100% on my own. He can do so much more with me because he wants me. And he wants my trust. And he wants a relationship with me. And he wants to have that connection with me. And when I give to that, when, when I support that, then I'm trusting in him bigger and better all the time. Heard a story about a lady that she went to visit her brother out of town. She was out of town. She was visiting her brother, but she needed to borrow some money. So she borrowed $500 from her brother. When she got home, she said, I promise I'm going to commit to paying back every dollar that I have borrowed from you. So every week she wrote her brother a check for $50, put it in an envelope with a little note about what was happening, what was going on in her life, and just wrote him a little note with that check for $50. 10 weeks later, her debt was paid off. She sent the last check with a little note in it. And two days later, she got a check in the mail from her brother. The check was for $500 and there was a note in it that said, I really appreciated all the notes that you've been writing me. Please keep sending them. Was it about the money? Absolutely not. It's not about the money. It's about the relationship. It's about the trust. It's about the heart. And it's about putting that first in our lives. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, it says, the best of the first fruits, the best of what we have, we give to God. Of your ground, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I want you to look at this. This, I know it's an Old Testament teaching, but I want you to see something in this. There's a word that jumps out to me on this. There's a word in here that I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not sure I've seen it that way before. I'm not sure I've understood it like that before says to bring to God. Bring something to him. It doesn't say to give. When we talk about this throughout scripture, it doesn't talk about giving back to God. It talks about bringing to him. So we have to unpack that a little bit. We have to say, then what does that mean? How do we see that? Well, I'm sure most of you drove here today, right? Troy, did you drive here today? You drove your car. Can I see your car keys? Can I borrow your car keys? Okay, let's say this. 
Thank you, Troy. Um, let's, say, let's say, Troy, I don't know this for sure. We're just making this up. Troy gave me his car keys. Let's say that this next week, Troy's going on a business trip. He's going out of town. He's going to be gone all week. And I found, found out that Troy's going to be gone for, on a business trip all week long. He's not going to be using his car. It's going to be parked out at the airport. But my car is going to be in the shop all week. Something's gone wrong with it. I need a car to borrow, and I find out Troy's going to be gone. So I said, Troy, hey, can I borrow your car? This is great. Thank you very much. I'll drop you off at the airport. I'll come pick you back up in a week if I can drive your car for a week while mine's in the shop. He says, no problem. Easy. Love to do it for a friend. Here you go. So the week's over. We get done. My car's fixed. I go pick Troy back up at the airport, and the first words I say to him when I pick him back up is this. Hey, dude, April and I have been praying about this. Um, we've really sought good counsel and we would like to give you this car. Isn't that so generous of us? Man, we're, I mean, it was a big decision for us, but we we would love to give you this car. What's Troy going to say? Thanks, I guess. Wait, no, one, you can't borrow my car ever again. Um, and two, that's not the way it works, dude. That was, it's my car. You can't give me something that is already mine. But what can I do? I can bring Troy's car back to him and say, thank you for letting me borrow that for a little bit. And I bring it back to him. I wonder how many times we've had this thought that we give to God and we want to say, God, you're so lucky. God, you you." You get some of this from me. I'm going to give you some of my stuff, some of my resources. I'm going to give you what's left over of what I haven't spent already. I wonder if God says, wait, 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 it doesn't work like that. It wasn't wasn't yours to begin with. It's mine. I've already given it to you. What you do is bring it back to me. And there's another line in here. It says after that, bring, and it says to bring into the house. I've been asked this a lot throughout my career in ministry. Devin, what what should we do? Where should the tithe go? Should it go to the church? Can it go other places? And there's my understanding, and there's many verses that back this up. I believe the tithe goes to the house of God. And then when we give, we give to other places. Yeah, absolutely. Please be generous. There's all kinds of nonprofits throughout this community. There's all kinds of people that need support and help. Please give. Please give, but please bring your tithe to God and give it to Him first. This church, this church is not a monument that people look at as they drive by Tuttle Creek Boulevard doing 70 miles an hour. This church is not a, a building. It's, it's a mission for what God has us on. Scripture teaches us man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from God. And that's what we're about. This church is here for the distribution of food, yes, but it's not food that you eat. It's spiritual food that we give out. We're here so support groups can come together and encourage each other. We're here so shaking marriages can grow strong again. We're here so broken families can be patched up and the addicted can be freed, where our kids can learn about Jesus, where people can grow in their relationship with Jesus. 
And I believe this. I, I believe that if millions and millions of dollars can be spent on a place for athletics to be played, and I'm all for it. I love going. I'll be there in a couple of weeks. I love it. But if we can spend millions of dollars on buildings like that, we should have no problem being generous to a place that shares the love story of a God who cares about his children and those that don't know him yet, people that are lost and hurt and sick and hungry and scared. Why shouldn't we get behind it and say, absolutely, my heart is there and I care about that mission and God, I want you to be supported there. And I want more people to come to know him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that the uh, um, ushers that, that serve communion make their way back to get ready for offering time as well. The band's going to come up and get ready. And you have this card that we handed out in your bulletin today. Here's the first thing I want you to hear. If you didn't come prepared to give today, please don't. I do not want you to feel guilted into giving. Guilt should not be the driving force behind you giving. And if you didn't come prepared today, then go home and pray about it and think about it and study what God has taught about it. But I would love for you to take this and look at this commitment sheet here. Where is your heart? And what commitment might you make? Maybe you haven't been before, and so this is a new commitment that you're going to make to bring Now, I know we put give in there because it reads easier, and that's language that we've used before, and we know that, so we understand it that way. Maybe you need to go and pray about this with your spouse, so we will, I will continue. I will start giving. April and I made this commitment many years ago, and we've stuck with it. We commit to that tithe here. Where's your commitment with this? This is not to turn in. We're not taking names. We're not going to track you on this. This is a commitment between you and God. But we'd love for you to sign this and keep this close somewhere, a reminder of what you have committed to. There's different ways. We've kind of shown you some of the ways that you can give on this sheet as well to be a part of this. But I'd love to say a prayer as we close this time. As we get ready for this offering time, I'd love to say a prayer for God to bless what we have brought for him and the commitment that's behind it. Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for your son, for the commitment that he made and that he brought his life to us, that he gave his life for us. And in return, our commitment back to you. God, what are we to do? We're we're to follow your teachings and we're to put you first. So I pray for for those that are bringing a gift to you today gratefulness for that. And I ask that you bless that beyond what we can do ourselves. God, I pray for all of us too, to search our hearts and to seek after you in this, to put you first, even in our resources. God, lead us in that direction. Help us to understand where you are at there, to trust you more and more with everything that we have. God, may you be honored. May you be worshiped during this time. In your name we pray. Amen.